Welcome to the VBAC Link Podcast. We are so excited today. I know we say that all the time, but we are really excited today because it's a very, very special and exciting episode because we have several of our VBAC trained doulas from across the country here with us. Everyone say hi. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hello. And they have each prepared their best birth preparation advice or pregnancy advice or postpartum advice and everything based on what they have seen and his experiences at doula. And we are so excited to share their words of wisdom with you. But of course, before we get started, Megan has a review of the week. I do. And this is from Gabby. And she was on Apple Podcasts, seems to be our main platform of review. So if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts or Facebook or Google or anywhere and leave us a review. We'd love to read yours. Her subject is hopeful for a VBAC. She says, I feel so lucky to have the time and space each evening after my littles have gone to bed to listen to the meaningful and beautiful birth stories on the VBAC Link podcast. I am hopeful for a VBAC in early September after having a traumatic birth story with my first child. Whatever this new story holds, I will be able to handle it better because I'm educating myself with this podcast. Thank you for sharing these stories with us all. And thank you, Gabby. We're coming up. Actually, when is this episode coming out? Um, October 14th. So hopefully she has already had her VBAC. So if you are listening, Gabby, give us uh, an email. Shoot us an email and let us know how things went. We'd love to hear it. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. Do you know what I absolutely love is when people's names on their Apple podcast ID is the same name as their Facebook ID, and we can go stop them. I know. Go look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that has happened before. It's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> um, awesome. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Birth workers, listen up. Do you want to increase your knowledge of birth after cesarean? We created our advanced feedback doula certification program just for you. It is the most comprehensive VBAC doula training in the world, perfectly packaged in an online self-paced video course. This course is designed for birth workers who want to take their VBAC education to the next level so you can support parents who have had a cesarean in the most effective ways. We have created a complete system, a step-by-step roadmap that shows exactly what you need to know in order to support parents birthing after cesarean. Head on over to thevbaclink.com to find out more information and sign up today. That's thevbaclink.com. See you there. All right. Well, we are just going to jump right into it because we have lots of amazing doulas with amazing things to say. Megan and I don't want to get off on any tangents. So we have, let's see, who is up first? Megan? Kimberly is up first. Kimberly Culver. And she is with Duluth Birthing Services in Texas. Kimberly, 
tell us, tell us about everything. <laughs> tell us what you want to share. <laughs> okay. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about birth hormones and physiological birth. I know that after nine months of pregnancy, we're all tired of hearing about our hormones, but we need to talk about them for labor. So there is a quote in the book, Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering by uh, Dr. Sarah Buckley. She says, however, when we provide physiological conditions during labor and birth, that is conditions in which the laboring woman feels private, safe, and unobserved, we are optimizing the functioning of her birth hormones for both mother and baby. So you ask, what is physiological birth? Physiological birth is undisturbed. It's no interventions or interference. It's letting nature completely take its course. So when clients ask me, which is a really big question I get, what are some of the things that are going to have the biggest effect on my birth outcome? I tell them straight up, your provider choice and your birthing location are going to be huge in how your birth turns out. Um, you can do all the prep in the world, but it's going to make a big difference in where you're choosing to give birth. I often ask them, do you realize that who you pick and where you choose to go to give birth plays a factor in exactly how your hormones are released in, in your labor? Most clients are pretty surprised to hear that. They think it just works the same no matter where you're at as far as your, your labor hormones firing. But for hormones to work best and in the proper order, having as close as we can get to that physiological birth is what needs to happen. So some of the major hormones that are functioning um, during labor, we've got estrogen, progesterone, everybody knows those. These are the hormones that um, play a role in starting labor. These hormones increase our oxytocin receptors, which then your uterus can respond to those labor hormones and they activate all those good endorphins you want. So once we're in labor, we've got oxytocin, that's our love hormone going. If you're not being induced through Pitocin, that oxytocin is going to pulse through your body. It's not a continuous delivery of oxytocin. It's going to pulse back and forth and just give you exactly what you handle. And it backs back down between contractions so your uterus stays sensitive to those hormones. We've got our beta endorphins. Those are your natural painkillers. Guys, that's your natural drugs. That's your pain relief. Your body is making that for you when you've got all these other hormones set up and flowing. Then we've got our prolactin. So your, your progesterone is higher in pregnancy and you have your baby and your placenta releases. And then that drop in progesterone from your placenta says, prolactin, go make milk. So if we have birth working and as undisturbed as possible, we have all those hormones firing in the right amounts at the right time working together with your body and when we mess with birth um, when we bring on interventions um, that are unnecessary that can cause adrenaline and adrenaline is your fight or flight and when you cause adrenaline in labor that fight or flight mode kicks in and it can stall your labor and back things down and then that oxytocin that you had flowing starts to shut off a little bit and backs back down and you got to get it going again. My midwife preceptor, she always told me that most people believe that the first intervention in birth is 
maybe getting your IV or strapping on those monitors or changing your clothes. But really that first intervention is that change to your birth space. It's you choosing to get in the car. It's you telling your birth team it's go time and then popping over and setting up. That change in your environment is the first intervention that can affect your hormones. So it's so important to really get into a good labor pattern and good active labor if you're going to be changing birthing locations so that you can keep those hormones going at the right speeds and at the right pattern. Um, and the further you are into active labor, the less disturbance you're going to have with that physiological process. And mm -hmm. all of that good process just leads to great bonding and great breastfeeding. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Those are, that's seriously an awesome topic. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank yes. you. Yes. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you. Okay, so next up we have Terry Shelkoff. And she is Shelkoff Doula Mama in Minnesota. So she is going to share her topic for us today. Hey, guys. Well, thanks for having me. So one of the things that I'm really excited and passionate about, I think that probably a lot of us doulas are, is just, the, um, just starting off with just being really comfortable with your birth team. And it starts right at the very beginning with your provider and with your doula, and even if you're, maybe if you're doing a home birth or a birth center birth, your family or friends that you might invite, and of course your partner, who you have on your birth team really shapes your birth experience. And some people, when they get into environments or different with, get together with different people, they feel safe with sharing their experiences or they feel safe, safe with, with sharing their heart and the reasons why they're doing what they're doing and that why they're making the choices that they're making. And when we get into, we all know that when we get into, to have your baby, when you get, when you're birthing and you're, you're laboring hard, you have questions and you have concerns and you have things that you want to voice. You, you have questions or you want to be able to say things like, I really need this, or I really don't understand this, or even things like, you know, my partner and I could really use some space right now. And if you don't feel comfortable saying those things or asking those questions to either your provider or even just a family member who's in the room that you'd like to leave, if you're not comfortable, you're less likely to speak up. You're less yeah. likely to ask for what you want. You're less likely to even say no for what you don't want. Yeah, I was going to say for what you don't want. Exactly. Which right. is a big deal. It is a huge deal to be able to feel safe with those people. And the safer that you feel with those people, the more likely you are you are to have the birth experience that you desire. I think that's one of the things that I really cherish and I really love about being a doula is I have a unique role. Like I don't just understand the choices that people want to make. I get to understand why they want to make those decisions, right? The, the why really carries the, the difference and it helps me to understand how to best guide somebody in the moment or educate somebody in the moment, somebody who doesn't want an epidural because they don't want interventions is going to have a lot different of a why than somebody who doesn't want an epidural because they're scared of needles, completely right. different motivations, completely right. different outlook and how you guide somebody and work with somebody based off of those two different factors are really important. So those are one of the things that I just really feel right away from the get go of being comfortable with your birth birth team is really setting people up for success in their birth experience. 
Absolutely. And I, I talk about that in my interviews. I tell everybody, you know, there are a lot of people will be like, oh, like, you know, we're thinking of interviewing many doulas. And I suggest that because you want to find that person that you can be in a very vulnerable space and be able right. to feel like you can be honest and open and that they're going to know and understand where you're coming from for the choices that you choose. So I love that. Absolutely. Exactly. And more importantly, someone that you know you can say no to even right. because that's a, that's a really hard thing. If you're, if you're in labor and during pregnancy and birth is saying no to something your provider really wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Next up, we have Tiffany Munez from Illinois and Missouri. She serves both areas and she's got a really important topic to talk about. So go ahead, Tiffany, and take it away. Okay. So yeah, I um, want to talk about choosing a supportive provider. I think this is one of the most important aspects of birth because the type of provider that you choose can directly influence um, the outcome of your birth. So I think the most important things to look for are a provider that provides individualized care and support. So somebody that looks at you like a person rather than a number or just another patient that is coming through their office. So you want to make sure that this isn't a provider that does routine inductions or repeats cesareans at 39 or 40 or even 41 weeks just because. You want to make sure that this provider provides evidence-based care. You want to choose somebody that's up to date with all the most recent information and research and not somebody who just does things out of convenience. You want to choose a provider who believes that birth is a normal and physiological process that people go through rather than a disease process. You want to choose a provider who actually cares about the birthing person's emotional and spiritual needs, not just their physical needs. And then someone who only uses interventions when necessary. So you want to make sure that this provider isn't doing routine episiotomies just because. Somebody that understands and practices true informed consent, somebody who understands informed refusal as well. That's very, very important. In the end, you want to pick somebody that you really, really trust and somebody that you are comfortable with and somebody that listens to you and validates all of your questions and concerns. One thing I tell my clients is don't be scared to interview multiple providers. Don't be scared to ask everybody in your community who they would recommend. Yeah, that's all I got. Definitely. And um, I also want to add to that and don't be scared to change a provider if everything's been going right and feeling good and then something suddenly doesn't feel good or feel right right. don't be scared to change even if you're in the later part of your pregnancy the very end you know follow that intuition so such great topics yes okay so miss emmy we have got you coming up next it's birth wizard and she's in arizona she's going to talk about teamwork so go ahead oh i love it teamwork and dream work makes yeah. dream work. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I'm Emmy the Birth Wizard. I'm here to be your guide. I'm in Chandler, Arizona. Just to hop right into it, doulas are your ultimate party member. We're basically your ultimate party member because we're the combination of training and compassion. I go through tons of training, just like my doula sisters here, through multiple avenues, trying to collect all that we can into our bag of tricks to be able to help you guys. And then we come from a place of compassion, which will only allow you to become more informed and 
become an advocate for yourself because that's our ultimate goal. I'm not there to be your voice. I'm there to teach you how to have a voice. And then on occasion, I'll get the dad who's like, but why do I need you? Um, Dude, I'm there to be your wingman. So that way, when they look back on this birth, they're like, man, that was so hot. The way he supported me. I want another baby with that guy. Um, (laughs) I love it. um, Also, I'm there to be like your partner in crime. Like when your arms get tired of the double hit squeeze that we went through during that, that prenatal, you can like tap me in so that way you can go take a rest or be able to take a breather because sometimes birth is intense and we don't talk about it of, you know, he might need to step away. So um, Mm -hmm. that's what we're there to do. It's all about teamwork. Doulas are an expert in birth and partners are an expert in you. And as your birth wizard, I want to offer my sword, my axe, my bow, so that way you guys can have an empowered birth. That's awesome. I when I wanted to hire a doula with my son, maybe back after two C-section baby, my husband was like, uh, cause it's like, okay, so this person, this person, this person, I had like a lot of doulas cause I was crazy. And at, a, at that point, a doula, I wanted a few people there and he's like, I'll just be on the back night. You don't even need me. And what's funny is there was a point where every single one of my doulas were helping and he was helping and I was like don't let go and he's like I'm so tired and it was nice to have that extra person there so he she could step in and take his place and he was like well okay yeah well speaking that was from awesome. a personal place I had my second birth that was my ultimate feedback she was a 47 hour birth and we were noobs and we were like, we don't need a doula. We got this right at hour 37. We were like, we should have hired that doula. Uh, (laughs) yep. Just, just in case if you end up with a 47 hour birth. So that's why I I beat this drum. I love it. Like the ultimate VBAC experience. I was like saying that in like my best narrative voice. I love what, uh, what you just said. Okay. Next up is Brittany. Dang it. I'm going to slaughter your last name. Brittany LaBeouf. You did it. Yes. Mother Birth Placenta and Doula Services in Louisiana. And she has some amazing stuff to say. So listen up. All right. I'm going to talk about staying informed and learning the information. Um, For me as a doula, for my own births and for all my clients and in the VBAC groups that I help manage, my number one tip is always to educate yourself and stay as informed as you can. Educating yourself on not only the safeties of a VBAC, um, the risk and the benefits of a VBAC and a C-section, but educating yourself on what a VBAC tolerant OB is compared to a supportive OB. Educating yourself on ACOG's guidelines because that is the most important thing you're going to look at and on ways to help labor move along. For my first birth, I was really naive and just picked the first doctor I found. I went into it thinking, I'm going to have this natural birth. Um, I'm not going to have the epidural. I'm going to have contractions. And then I'm going to push a baby out. I didn't learn anything along the way. And then I just did every single thing my doctor told me to do without questioning her, even though sometimes the things she said didn't really make sense to me. Um, it ended with a bunch, a cascade of just different interventions that ultimately led to my C-section. On to my VBACs, I decided that I wanted a completely different experience and I needed something better than what happened to me. And I just started looking at everything I could. I looked at articles. I looked at different kinds of websites. Mostly Mayo Clinic, I think, was the first thing I looked at. And then I stumbled across ACOG and I learned what was safe. I learned who was supportive in my area. 
Um, I had two different doctors for my two VBACs. Um, they were both incredible for my births. The first doctor that I chose for my first VBAC was great at the time, but over the years, had his tune has changed on VBACs. So I don't really recommend him anymore for VBACs. But for me, my two VBACs were amazing. I chose providers that matched what I learned to be supportive. And in my groups, I have a lot of women that come in complaining about all the restrictions that their doctors are putting on them, whether it's have to have the baby by 40 weeks or ultimate C-section, um, having to have the epidural, things like that. And we don't give medical advice, but we give them the resources that they need. We tell them where to look. And it's not to get them to change providers. It's for them to have conversations with their doctors about the things that they learn and to come together to find a better solution to getting the kind of birth they want. In the groups, a lot of women think that what their providers say is law and don't really know that they can have conversations and we're there to get them to have those conversations. I'm going to end this with my favorite quote that I tell every person that is concerned or scared for their upcoming feedback. If you don't know your options, then you don't have any. Yes. Yes. I love it. I think that's so, so, so important. It's what I say about birth plans too. Like the power of the actual birth plan is not in the written document itself. It's everything that you learn along the way while you're creating it. I think exactly. Because in your, when you're in labor and at the hospital, you're not going to be looking at that piece of paper. You're going to be too busy managing your contractions and trying to get through them the best way you can that you're not even going to be looking at that piece of paper. But having that there, knowing it's there, knowing you put the effort into figuring out what you wanted, you're golden. Exactly. All right, Nicole Ramsey. That is not a hard name to say. Thank you very much. It is Gift Doula Services in Indiana, and we are so excited to hear from her. Hey. So I really want to thank Julie and Megan for doing this, for doing the VBAC link, for inviting doulas on like this. It's I'm actually sitting here taking notes on some things doulas are saying. It's just, it's neat community. And I really love the VBAC link for the support it provides and the Facebook group. I was, this may sound like it's not about birth at the beginning, but I'll get there. I was reading a book by a geobiologist named Hope Jarin a few days ago, and she said something in it that just blew me away. I loved how she phrased it. She said, fear makes us turn away from an issue, whereas information draws us in. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that applies to so many categories in life. And I've seen it so much in the Back Link Facebook group where the information in there pulls women in and supports them. It's not ignoring information. It's just real evidence-based, like we've discussed. And I just, it's so true. And then um, an actual birth book I read recently, there's a book on birth planning by Megan Davidson. And she said in her childbirth classes, she teaches the three C's of birth. She talks about there's control, choice, and consent. And we all have control. And actually, like, everybody has been rocking the discussion about you have some control in most cases, not all, but you have some control about your provider. Find a good one. Take the time all pregnancy long to find a good provider. There are some things you have control over, who your birth team is. But birth is not something that you can just plan from A to B. There's so many things that don't go the way you expect them to. And so 
knowing that there are choices you have that you can research to put onto that birth plan. Even if you don't look at it again, you've researched them. I don't want an epidural, but maybe the labor has gotten to a certain point and an epidural is the decision you've made. You've made that choice, but it comes from a place of information, not fear. And that's always a stronger choice. And then consent, where we have informed consent, which means informed refusal. We can say, yes, I am okay with you doing that. No, let's not do that yet. So again, like Megan Davidson, that just blew me away the way she phrased it. I think I said blew me away twice now. I like what I read in books. So her Hope Jaren's encouragement to seek information can make such a huge difference for a woman feeling strong in her birth choices. And that is really going to make a big difference no matter how your birth goes because you can't control it, but you can control the information you gather. You can control the choices you make. And taking, asserting that authority to be educated, asserting that authority to know what's going on will make a world of difference for how you feel about your birth no matter what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. And I like her name too, Megan. So <laughs> she, she writes awesome. And uh, I need to read that book. I actually need to learn how to read you guys. That's what I need to learn. Yeah. And write. <laughs> I actually am doing a really good job writing these days. But amazing. reading, <laughs> I struggle reading. It's, it's hard for me. I need to listen. I um, with podcasts. This is the yeah. I crash coursed on them this week. So thank you for that too. Oh, <laughs> <Awesome>. yes. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Well, Michelle Holmes, she is next and her company is Doula Ed. And guess what? She's right here in Utah. And she's our friend. <laughs> and she is our friend. And we're excited to hear from you, Michelle. Awesome. Thanks. Well, I thought I would just give a really quick um, three-minute childbirth education class for the partner, some power for the partner, because I feel like they get a little bit overwhelmed, rightfully so, and there's a lot of information to know. So I want to just give them kind of three quick areas to focus on. And the first one is preparation. If they prepare with their expectant mother while they're anticipating the arrival of the baby, practicing things like breathing techniques and positions to labor in, positions to deliver in. If they prepare the pelvis with proper alignment uh, from a chiropractor, uh, learn about optimal fetal position, get massage regularly, do regular yo yoga classes. If they work on all of these things, then when they get to the birthing space, there's some muscle memory that has developed just like when you sit on a toilet. You don't have to look and know where it is. You just feel comfortable plopping on down and taking <laughs> care of business. So if we do that same thing with birth, practice the positions, practice the breathing, practice making the wild sounds, practice all of it. It will become muscle memory and you'll get back into the birthing space and you'll feel comfortable doing the things you're already familiar with. So helping your partner prepare. The next thing is observation. If they are watching mom, watch her hands. Is she clenching them? Is she reaching out? Does she need something to grab onto? Is she squeezing them? What is her pelvis doing? What are those bum cheeks doing? Is she on lockdown? Is she holding tension in the lower part of her body? Is she crawling away? Is she, is she backing herself up towards the top of the bed when a provider's checking her cervix or uh, when something's going on? Is she squishing her face? Is her eyebrows squished, her mouth tight, jaw clenched? Does she look dazed? Does she look kind of glazed over? 
Um, just be observant of what's happening to her. Look at the position that she's in. Is she kinking a muscle? These are things mom's not going to really notice because her mind is pretty well occupied with something else. So if you notice she's sitting in a funny position, you could maybe help her not end up with a lot of shoulder pain tomorrow by changing her position, getting her a pillow. Just be observant of all those things. Make sure she's getting drinks and going to the bathroom and getting nibbles of food. Make sure she feels safe. And the last one is validation. What is she saying? And whatever she says she feels is valid. Whatever happens in the birthing space and after, don't try to gloss it over. Don't try to fluff it up. If she says she didn't have a good experience, allow her to feel that. Don't try to cover mm -hmm. it up with, you know, oh, at least the baby's healthy. At least you're okay. It's not what you wanted, but it's all right. At least we can have more kids. Stay away from any statements that have to do with at least or statements that diminish how she's feeling. It doesn't make her feel better to try to remove any trauma, to try to remove frustration or try to minimize what she's feeling. She needs to be allowed to feel that. And whatever she is expressing to you that she feels, even if it feels like, gosh, that really wasn't a big deal. Why is she so traumatized by it? If she says she was traumatized, she was. And so the way you can support that is just by listening properly, allowing her to express her feelings, saying things like, so what I'm hearing you tell me is you feel like this is what happened or you feel like you wish this had gone differently or what I'm understanding is that you have some frustration with this experience or whatever things you can say to her that let her know that you heard her you respect how she feels. doesn't matter if you agree or not. Whatever she feels is valid. So those top three things, that's my really quick childbirth education class, preparation, observation, and validation. And that makes you a very powerful partner. If that's all you have time to focus on, at least do that. Ooh, oh, my gosh. That was I love awesome. that. Yeah. Very, Sorry. very good information. <laughs> I I think number three, oh, you, you guys know if you've been listening for a while, like, I am so passionate about birth trauma and pre preventing it and processing it and, and healing through it and, and that whole entire journey. And like number three, what you just said, Michelle, is like exactly what we can do to parents who are suffering from either a bad birth experience, birth trauma, or birth PTSD, just listening, validating, and just being in their space and, and just being there in a non-judgmental way is just so, so, so important. Life lessons from Michelle. All right. Next up is Brooke Volpe. Uh, she is with Solus Birth Services, and she serves um, New Jersey, and I'm assuming Southern Pennsylvania. Yeah, Brooke. Hi, everybody. What you got to say? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Thanks, Megan and Julie, and thank you for all your work at the VBAC Link. Such an amazing resource. I find that a lot of my clients over the last few years have been VBACs, and uh, this training. And just the work going into what I'll talk about tonight about understanding the pelvis has been so large and helpful. So thank you for your dedication to this space. Yeah, so I am in southeastern Pennsylvania. I'm like right on the eastern side. So Jersey's right over the bridge to me. So I serve both PA and Jersey. So you were right. Yeah, so I... I certainly will second and third and fourth a lot of the topics that were talked about tonight. But one area that I felt has been such a game changer, one of those aha moments in birth work has been understanding what's happening internally in our bodies 
prenatally and what's happening internally in labor and birth. And the pelvis kind of holds the spotlight for me. One of the reasons why we're here is because we're learning how to have a VBAC. And one of the greatest reasons why cesarean births exist right now is failure to progress. And knowing that the pelvis is changeable, I think is just such an amazing tool to have. I still get really blown away by the idea that most OBs and midwives, this is not part of their curriculum when they go through schooling and that this is more of a kinesiology major, like physical therapist, but that we don't know at that level what this, what the pelvis is doing in labor just blows my mind. So I certainly think it's an area where people should spend some time understanding. And the greatest analogy that I have for you is to imagine the pelvis as a clothespin. If you squeeze the top, the bottom opens. If you flip that clothespin and you squeeze the bottom, the top opens. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Right. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So we don't have to be anatomy and physiology majors, but we do need to know how to change the space of the pelvis. So really the guide is usually in early labor. Babies are in the big bowl of the pelvis. So open the bowl of the pelvis by, you know, wide knees, the pressure from the femurs on the pelvis opens that upper part. When it's time to, when we start to feel and knowing what some of those feelings tell us to avoid vaginal exams is, you know, some of that rectal pressure that we feel mid pelvis, usually our babies coming into that zero station at the ischial spines and the pelvis At the peak of the contraction, we feel like that sensation of, I have to poop. And that rectal pressure gives us a really good indication that baby's lower in the pelvis. So asymmetric hips or things like lunges open that mid-pelvis. And then to open the outlet when baby needs to come out of the vaginal outlet is to then, you know, bring the knees a little bit closer together, bring the ankles out wide and open that outlet. Stay off of your back. And this applies for anybody that is either having an unmedicated or medicated birth. You can still change the pelvis pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think understanding that in labor and birth, but then just a second and third, some of the topics about prenatal chiropractic care that creates balance and alignment in the pelvis, especially for, I feel like, our second and third babies. You know, we carry a toddler on our hip and we're constantly favoring and creating this imbalance in the pelvis. So correcting that and finding ways to create balance, switching the hips, which is hard. And then understanding that positioning, our maternal position, you know, how we sit, my greatest tool for that would be no obtuse angles. So 90 degrees or acute angles that keep us in really good positioning that eliminates some of those hiccups of malposition of, of the baby. So that's my little. Yes. Oh my gosh. When I learned Elvis, that, yeah. I love it. When I learned that in the evidence-based birth conference, I was like blown away. I was like, what? 
you put your knees together and your ankles out. And when I do that at births, I, I swear to you, nurses look at me like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then they, yes. and then they see it work and they're like, wait, 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 can you, can you talk to me about that? <laughs> Tell me what you just did because it works. It works. So yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. too, if I can add like comfort measures are grand, but you know, pressing on where the baby is, you know, that's, same idea of that clothespin analogy. Like if you're going to press on the pelvis, make sure it's not where the baby is. Mm-hmm. It's got to be either lower or higher because, you know, of course, counter pressure feels great, but not when you're closing the space of where baby right. needs to be right. going. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Great. So we, ha- we have two left. And so I always wonder if I say your right name wrong. So is it Dominica or Dom? Like, is that how you say it? <laughs> it's Dominica. Dominica. Yes. But okay. I don't really care. People mess up my name all the time. Dominica. So. <laughs> I was wondering if the I was like E, you know? So, Dominica, you, you yeah. take the reins. It is your turn, sis. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. This is such a great opportunity. So, I'm uh, Dominica, and I'm with Above and Beyond Dula Care. Uh, I'm in Alaska. In Alaska. So, I didn't even say that because I was so worried about saying your name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Above and Beyond Dula Care. Yeah. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually from Slovakia originally. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to sit down and hear your story, but not right now. So. Yeah, not right <laughs> now. But just in case you were wondering. Oh, yes. Yeah. So anyway, so I was going to talk about a supportive team and how it is important to be supported uh, or surrounded by supportive people. We've already mentioned supportive providers quite a bit, but I want to talk about just the people around you. You know, ideally in a perfect world, we have family that is supportive of our decision to have you back. It's, you know, they are cheering us and we have friends that are trusting us, and but we don't live in a perfect world. And I meet so many moms who do not have the support. You know, their family are like, "What? You're crazy! Why are you going for a feedback? It's just dangerous!" You know, and the same with friends. And sometimes moms are just like left really, really lonely, and they're like, "Okay, I really want this, but everybody around me thinks that I'm crazy and that I can't do it." <laughs> and so. Just, you know, I would just like to encourage the moms uh, going for a VBAG is just to look further. There's this wonderful Facebook group, uh, the VBAGling community. There are some wonderful moms and professionals who will totally support you. And they're just, you know, always encouraging. And just the importance to have somebody close to you who believes in you. Also, your doula. I personally encourage everybody to hire a doula, you know, (laughs) I might be a little biased because I am one, but (laughs) it's just so important to have somebody, a person by you that walks through the whole journey with you and just really, really trust in you. I've had so many clients tell me just how important, just the fact that I believed in them was just so important that it kind of gave them the strength and the courage to go through with their VBAC. So having a supportive doula is just really, really important because, you know, sometimes we hear saying that, you know, doulas empower, right? We, we empower people. And I'm like, you know, we don't really have any secret powers that we kind of 
throw into you yes. to empower you. <laughs> but I guess how I empower others is simply just trusting in the power that's, that they have. And just having a supportive provider, before I talked a lot about it, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I wanted to say one thing, that sometimes I hear people say, oh, I just love my provider, you know, she's so sweet, and, you know, just a provider really friendly, and she encourages me, but just because a provider is sweet doesn't mean they're actually really supportive of your choices. Yes. And so that, you know, being, having a really sweet and nice person can make it really hard to then go and try to change provider if you find yourself realizing that they're really not that supportive, you know. And so just kind of want to encourage you that if you see sometimes that you give in to something that you are not really comfortable with or, you know, you kind of feel obligated, you know, or you don't want to hurt their feelings, that might be hard to change provider but it might be necessary <laughs> yeah so sometimes you know if when if your provider is sweet and you really love them but if they are not really trusting in you and your choices and they should be supportive of everything that you want then um there might be time to change a provider even if it is late in pregnancy so i have so much more to say but i think my time might be up so <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish we could just have everybody yeah. do a whole episode. <laughs> it would be so much fun. These are fun yeah. topics to go in depth in for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, thank you. All right. Last but certainly not least, our admin, my sister-in-law, the incredible, the famous, the amazing Sarah Bills, who's the one, not a doula. The one who has given back my sanity. The one who has given us our lives back so our <laughs> yes. kids don't know, don't forget what their moms look like. <laughs> yeah. oh, Sarah. Sarah is not a doula. But she will be one day. I am pretty sure I'm feeling that dual vibe coming out of her. Um, and she's in Boise, Idaho. And there's no business. Well, actually, she's the VBAC link admin. <laughs> if I didn't already say that. All right, Sarah, go ahead. <laughs> awesome. So, yes, I'm not a doula as of right now. But Julie and Megan asked me to come on and just share something that I wish I had known as a first-time mom and so one thing I want to focus on is that it's okay to ask questions regardless of how much you love your provider there's always something that they say that you're not sure what that is or you're not comfortable with it and not really and want them to explain it more and that's okay that is completely okay and totally normal like everyone goes through it so don't wait to go home and Google what they said. Ask them questions right then. And then for things that they say and you're not quite sure about, ask for evidence. If they're saying that your risk of uterine rupture is 50%, feel free to say, okay, could you give me an article to read about that? I'd like to know more. And don't just take their word willy-nilly. Just do your own work and evidence and research, but have them give their research as well if it's contradicting to what you found. And then the next thing, the last thing I want to say is it's okay to say no. And I know that is so hard for us because in a position as a, a 
pregnant woman and you're all vulnerable and miserable towards the end of your pregnancy. Not everyone, but I was. (laughs) I guess I was so huge, but it's okay to say no to things that you don't want to do. And we think of doctors as kind of, they hold like a pedestal above us, but they're, they don't like they go to school. Yes, but you can still say no to them and refuse their care if it comes to that and change providers. Like it is totally okay to do that. Just remember that you are paying them and they're not paying you to give this birth. You are paying them to support you. And if you don't feel like they're supporting you well enough, then make a change and stand up for yourself. But that's it. I love it. I love it so much. I love everything everybody had to say. And sorry for my audio debacle. In the beginning, I have no idea what was going on. But this is some great information. Everyone listening, we have an amazing group of doulas that we have trained at the VBAC link. And you can find everyone that you have heard today on our website, thevbacklink.com slash find a doula and just go to their respective state and their profile will be right there. You can contact them and reach out to them. Also doulas in other states and even countries. I think we just shipped a manual to Sweden or do we have a sweet Swedish doula in our directory now? I can't remember which is it. Sarah, you're it's the one there. that does that now. It, yeah, yeah. It's in there. We're in, we're in Indonesia, like Sweden, so Saudi cool. Arabia, Kuwait. Yeah, I just Indonesia. added one from so, Dominican Republic the other yeah. day. Awesome. It's so awesome. So we're, we're really excited to see this group grow. If you are a doula, we would love to add you to this amazing doula community. The doulas that you just heard from as well, like we have a special VBAC doula group. So we can all reach out to each other and continue to learn, you know, as we go and continue to drop these helpful hints and tips as well. So we can pass these on to our own clients and, and just continue to educate ourselves. I feel like education is power and we can't ever have enough. So the more we get, the more powerful we can help our clients, their birth experience be. Absolutely. And if you want to take our VBAC doula certification course, which I know you do because it's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> if I do <laughs> say so myself, you can just go to our homepage, vbaclink.com and find it right through there on our tab that says courses. Uh, make sure you get started on that right away. And then we'll let you into our exclusive VBAC link trained doula group. And it's a pretty good group of people. I actually really enjoy the group. Everyone's really respectful and helpful and and like I said, we, or like was said, we have doulas from all over the world in that group. So come and join us. We're excited to have you. And what else, Megan? I just want to thank, thank the doulas tonight for taking oh, yes. their time out of their lives to spend an hour with us on the podcast. So thank you, everybody. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to thevbacklink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.